everybody, and welcome to the Wildstorm Addiction. This is episode 10, and we're going to be covering the week of July 21st, which includes San Diego Comic-Con. Yay! All right. <laughs> I'm Joe David Solis. And I'm Ben Murphy. I uh, just want to remind you, we are going to do a couple of reviews tonight, and uh, we do talk about spoilers, but remember the reviews at our site are spoiler-free unless otherwise noted. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, user Cosgrove at RetroJunk.com, who says, These podcasts are amazing, man. They're truly respected on this end. Thanks. Well, no, thank you, Crossgrove, for your kind words. Um, we really do appreciate when we hear from you guys and you let us know how we're doing on this. Here we are in the double digits now. We're in episode 10, Ben. All right. So <laughs> We must be doing something right. <laughs> but no, we do, we do appreciate your comments, and obviously, you know, uh, anything. You are always, we're always trying to improve, so... So we'll 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 work on it little by little. <laughs> but we got a lot. I, I will get to the San Diego Comic Con news, but before I, before we even went out there, or I went out there, there was a lot of Wildstorm news that came out. So we'll go over that first. Um, the biggest news came out in the October solicits because um, Warren Ellis's miniseries called Red is being turned into a movie, and in October, actually October 15th, which is my birthday, so I think I should get a free ticket. What about you? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> if not, I'll send you one. Uh, okay. Yeah, because uh, I would really like for us to review that on the podcast. That'd be cool. The first official Wildstorm movie adaption, even if, it, even if it's not the Wildstorm you. So, to coincide with the movie, there's lots of projects that are coming out in October that are related to the movie. In fact, there is a red-related project every week in October. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, actually start, they, it actually starts with the red prequel special, which is at the tail end of September. I guess they ran out of weeks in October. <laughs> <laughs> but that one's written by Kelly Hamner, who, of course, did the, the art in the original miniseries. But this time he's doing, for the pre- prequel, he's doing the art and writing it. And, of course, he's providing the cover. And that's going to be a 48-page special for four ninety nine. There come those high, high-end high uh, prices already. <laughs> Still, though, that's 48 pages, so I'm all right with that. Yeah, I remember when two ninety nine got you a 48-pager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and a new edition of the trade is coming out that collects the original uh, three-issue mini. It's got a new cover by Cully, and uh, it also includes the script to issue number one. And never before seen developmental art by by Cully, and it's going to be fourteen ninety nine. The other tie-ins in October are basically going to focus on each character. The first one is uh, the Joe special, which you know is now about me. Uh, it's <laughs> actually about it's actually about Morgan Freeman's character in the movie. The Red Victoria special is Helen Mirren. That one's written by John Hobner, I guess, or Hobner. Art by David Hahn. And Cully Hamner's doing the covers to all of these, and they actually emulate the movie posters. If you haven't gone out to see them, they're they're pretty cool. And, but but he basically took each one and made it into a comic cover. Uh, there's the Marvin special, which is the John Malkovich character, and that's by Eric uh, Hobner, and art by Diego Olmos. Another cover by Cully, and then there's the the last one is the Frank special, which is Bruce Willis's character, which is the main character. It's written by Gregory Novak with art by Jason Masters and another Cully Hamner cover. 
So October is going to be the red month, apparently, instead of orange, which is usually you know what I think of when I think of October because of Halloween. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> And to coincide with the release of the Victorian Undead trade in October, which is very appropriate since it's Halloween, <laughs> we're getting a Victorian Undead special, which is written by Ian Eddington, you know, who's the writer of the original series, and the art is by uh, Horatio Dominguez. And it's got a cover by Ethan Van Skyver. And there was some news out of Comic-Con that came out of, concerning the Victorian Undead, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, there are also a couple of uh, video game licensed properties that are coming out. Actually, just one. We already talked about the other. T- the Talara Chronicles already debuted in September. But the other one by the same company is uh, End of Nations number one, written by Ricardo Sanchez and art by Vel Guchet. I don't know how to say that name. Yeah, Sorry. Good luck with that one. <laughs> Cover by Chris Spouse and Caller Story. It's a four-issue miniseries based on the highly anticipated massively multiplayer online real-time strategy game End of Nations from publisher Tryon Worlds and developer Petroglyph. The solicit reads, Economic disaster brought world governments to their knees. Industrialized nations for the first time experienced hunger and poverty on a scale not seen outside the most stricken third world countries. The order of nations, a new world power, stepped into the chaos and restored order, imposing a tyrannical rule. But they pushed too hard and people everywhere began to openly challenge them. Follow the story of one resistance group as they struggle against the totalitarian regime of the order of nations in this Forshi miniseries. They're really pushing these two games, I guess, uh, getting these comics out at the same time and just kind of building interest. Uh, At uh, SDCC, they actually had a a zero issue for each of these, which I I wasn't able to get my hands on, but um, they're really promoting that. And uh, we also have some new digital comic offerings, courtesy of Comixology.com. These are each of them between $0.99 and $1.99. They updated it. And they now have the entire Mirror's Edge miniseries. They've got all six issues for sale, but number zero is free. They have added Gen 13, number 23, and 24. They've added Stormwatch PhD, number 15 and 16. They've added The Authority, number 3 and 4. And they've added Wildcats, number 3 and 4. And they've also added Planetary number seven. They just had the first six issues previously. And from the license, they have uh, Supernatural Origins one, two, and three. And from the original X Files miniseries that uh, Wildstorm produced, they have zero and number one, which are now up. So, if you've got a iPad or, or you can just jump online and check them out too. Um, go check those out. Apparently, obviously, they're getting good downloads. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep posting more of them. So. That's good to hear, especially the world's end issues. Now, for the, what y'all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> the Wildstorm Addiction San Diego Comic-Con report. <laughs> this was my first time out there, so needless to say, I, I was uh, learning all about the con while at the same time trying to you know, get some Wildstorm news for you guys. You know, and we posted our uh, written report up on the site uh, but I'll just kind of review some of the things that were that were talked about, and I'll try to go into a little bit more detail about the things I didn't put in the article. There was actually a, a good amount of attendees this year. Uh, there was roughly about forty people. I mean, about fifty people in the audience. Um, we had uh, Hank Canals, the vice president and general manager of Wildstorm, open up the panel. It was a very full panel. They had Ben Abernathy, uh, Derek Robertson, Phil Hester. 
TJ Fixman, Ricardo Sanchez, Kurt Busiek, Tom Taylor, Stuart Paul, Scott Peterson, Crudy Torian, and Jim Chadwick. And Adam Beechin showed up later. So, I mean, it was just a full panel. And a lot of these guys, it was cool because we got to talk to them earlier earlier in the con, especially um, Adam Beechin and Tom Taylor. We got to talk with them a lot. Tom Taylor, by the way, if you those of you who are following the authority and you're loving it and you're loving the humor, I will tell you Tom Taylor is just as funny in person. He was hilarious. He had us cracking up the whole time. And uh, as soon as as soon as I met him and introduced myself, he's like, "The Wallstrom Addiction Podcast. I love you guys." And I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yes. You, I, I love how you gush about my work." And I, you, <laughs> you, you, you know, he's saying all this in his British accent, which I can't do. And <laughs> and he's like, uh, "So y- uh, y'all keep reviewing my stuff, even if it's if it's good or bad." And I'm like, "Even if it's bad, tell me it's good." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I, I doubt him being a Brit. He said, "Y'all," but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i said that a lot this weekend and i told i got to hang out with chris Stryker from uh, the higher authority too because he was there and i told him i said have you got you you haven't called me out on that yet and uh, he's like no nope. he's like i've had a i had a friend who, who who says that too he came from uh i think texas i don't remember where he was but yeah i think that's what i was saying as i was handing out the wildstorm addiction cards too so <laughs> like would y'all like a card would y'all like a card like yes i'm from texas <laughs> so. well it's a good thing i wasn't there because i'd be like yins want a card <laughs> what the heck is yins uh, don't ask <laughs> that's like we were saying earlier you know, i'd say soda and you say pop so back to the wildstorm panel <laughs> <laughs> there were um New puzzle covers for the Walkers and the Authority were released, and these were the ones that, since they were they were kind of showing them and they weren't really focusing on them too long, so it was it was uh, at the end. If you listen to the to their official podcast, that's why I asked on the podcast if they could tell us who did the the covers. Um, Tim Seeley is is doing one. We actually got to see the pencil work he was doing just by accident because he was at the booth. Um, Titanotrope was another another person from the board that I got to meet. It was really cool hanging out with him. Yeah, he's the one who pointed that out to us. Um, two more awesome puzzle covers is what they called them. Uh, the other is by Jeremy uh, Raypack, and apparently he's a he's a newcomer as far as I understood from Hank. But um, but his his spread was really good. So so that means that there's at least two more. Including the Andy Park one, which we've already seen, and the uh, Talon Caldwell one, which we've already seen. So I'm not sure if we're getting another variant or what, because I know the Andy Park one is a variant. But like I said, they didn't show the images too long. Like the Gen 13 image they showed was from a feature issue. It, you know, it showed it showed the the team assaulting some compound or something, and the the image that stuck in our minds as we we're talking about it later was um, shows a wind sprint. Uh, grabbing Fairchild and like super speeding her up to one of the guards and she takes out the guard that way so just a little taste of some more great um, Cruditorian art that we're, we're going to be exposed to and speaking of Crudy he is so humble and he is so appreciative of, of the support that everybody's been showing him he said you know since this, this is his first comic gig you know he's been hesitant to check the boards and stuff you know because he doesn't want to get lamb blasted, 
but I, I tried to tell him that that's not what's happening. That people are actually enjoying his art. So, so I, I don't know if he if he'll if he'll decide to go or not. But you know, I hope he does because I know I've been, really been enjoying his art. That's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. You guys can see the sketch that he that Fairchild sketch that's on our site in the gallery. He he made that just because as a thank you to us for promoting him. And then I did buy his sketchbook, which has got a lot of great art. The other thing uh, that uh, they showed an authority picture, which again, like I said, they were just kind of going through everything real quick. Kind of showed Hawksmore and the team teleporting to some it looked like some sort of world or something that was devastating. I don't know if it was our world or I mean, obviously it can't be because that's not the, that doesn't go with the story. But uh, it showed like free fall on the ground, distraught about something. So you know, yeah, I know this is not helping y'all. It's probably frustrating y'all because you're like, I want to know. Like, <laughs> well, I wanted to know too. But they just kind of showed it to us real quick. You know, Phil Hester was there, and um, you know, he talked about how much he enjoyed working with Crudy and how he was perfect fit for this title. And you know, he was just enjoying it. And and by the way, the the panel went by really quick. In case some of y'all are wondering why there's not so much information, I don't know. I I honestly couldn't remember if the if the panel was um, started late or what. But I it just went by quick. I mean, it's only they're only fifty minute fifty minute panels. But uh, next up, they showed Gail Simone's Welcome to Tranquility, which everybody applauded when they brought that up. So it was pretty cool. Hank said that. Tranquility is one of the series that a lot of people kept asking and when they were going to bring back. So that was part of the the drive to finally bring it back with the new One Foot in the Grave miniseries, which we're going to review tonight later. Uh, they went on to talk about you know the the Wet Works mutations one shot and you know they assured us that it was going to be part of the Wardsin story and and basically just catch us up on what Wet Works has been doing, which is cool because as you heard like Adam Beach and talk about it in our interview with him that you know that's one team he didn't touch because you know he he personally had not read a lot of the old stuff, but uh, this team, this creative team, you know, it's just gonna kind of give us a cool story about what they're um, what they've been doing, and it does. I mean, the solicit does talk about Lord Defile, and I could probably tell you another character that we thought we saw in there, but. I will say that. I will just say that it's a, it's a it's a character that if it's a character that we think it's from Number of the Beast. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Can't I can't let y'all know everything. I mean, <laughs> te- teased you. I mean, I could tell you, but I just want you to get ex- I want you to get more excited about Wetworks Mutations. And then they went on to talk about some of the creator-owned stuff, like you know Ben Abernathy. You know, talked about the final issue of Ex Machina and. You know, his direct quote was, you guys will be blown away by issue 50, and, you know, Jim Lee's going to provide a variant cover, which is 48 pages uh, with no ads. So, you know, I'm still catching up on that series, so I'll just have to wait until that's traded. Same here. Yeah. Um, Kirk Busiek mentioned that his uh, Astro City comic has been picked up as a movie by working title films. So that should be really cool. I've only ever got to read the first trade, but it's it's a it's a great series as far as I read, and I know it's a fan favorite. Uh, he talked about that the current Silver Agent two issue mini is what he considers the final issue, uh, is the way he stated it in the first stage of Astro City's overarching story, which is interesting because they've done a lot of stories. <laughs> And for him to consider that now that it's just the end of a first arc, you know, it's like, wow. 
you know, how big is this story going to be? But it's going to lead into the new Astro City monthly series, which will have new characters and new mysteries. But they didn't, uh, as far as I remember, I don't think they said when that was going to start. Um, newcomer creator uh, Stuart Paul uh, talked about his Ides of Blood miniseries, which is basically, he said, is the assassination of Julius Caesar by vampires. And, uh, you know, because in, in his world, you know, vampires are the new slave class in, Ro- in ancient Rome. And uh, he mentioned that there's Nazi to Shakespeare and the Dracula mythology and just things like that. And Christian, they said how to say his name. I think it was Duce. I'm not sure. He's actually a South American artist who who's new to this country, and, and they brought him on to do the art for the book. And if you've seen the four-issue preview pages, it's amazing art. So I'm really looking forward to that series. Uh, they talked about uh, Tom Strong and the Robots of Doom, which is actually on the stands now. Uh, writer Peter Hogan actually got Alan Moore's blessing to write this story, which you know adds some major credibility when you you got the original creators uh, backing. And uh, the story actually ties back to the original Tom Strong series. Finally, this last part was interesting. As we said earlier, you know there's going to be a Victorian Undead special in October, but apparently that's just a primer for another five-issue miniseries that begins in November. And the original creative team of writer Ian Eddington and uh, Dave uh, Fabry, uh, who did the art on the other one, will return. So that was one that I missed, so I'm going to have to catch up on it now, definitely because, you know, since it's creator owned, we're, we're going to be covering it here on the podcast. Finally, they went over the licensed properties. You know, they talked about the, the Red prequel comic, which is coming out, and they talked about all the different covers and uh, how, you know, Cully Hamner's doing the writing and, you know, he also, you know, received Warren Ellis' blessing to do the, the prequel and since uh, Ellis was unavailable to do it. And, you know, the, the two TV properties they've got out right now, you know, are Fringe, Tales from the Fringe and X-Files, Crossing Over with 30 Days of Night, which we've covered on the podcast. Um, they did mention that the Fringe comic is in continuity with the show, and obviously, we've been covering 30 days, uh, the 30 Days of Night crossover, so we'll continue to do so. And then they finished off by talking about some of their uh, video game titles, which is like Gears of War, God of War, which they actually started making a joke that everything was war, you know, <laughs> uh, that they're only getting the war titles now. And Talara Chronicles, Kane and Lynch, Ratchet and Clank, Driver, and End of Nations. Um, and they said, of course, the Gears of War comic coincides with the release of uh, Gears of War 3 in the spring. The The panel wrapped up pretty quick, so there wasn't much time for questions. Uh, I just got a chance to ask you know, who the artists were on the, on the covers. But um, Chris Stryker from The Higher Authority you know, asked if they were looking to do more original graphic novels like a, like a God Somewhere. And Hank basically said they were looking at several projects. And then um, Hank actually asked Kurt Vizek, you know, what he had going on, and he said he's got a project called Witchland coming, and he described it as Astro City with a genre where urban fantasy, uh, magic, and ordinary life. And it's going to be a six-issue mini. Vizek also said he's doing a sequel to his Aerosmith comic in the novel of a uh, called Aerosmith Far From the Fields We Know. Uh, I never got to read that, that series. So, And then the panel closed with Adam Beechin inviting all the attendees to join him at the Hyatt Bar for a meet-and-greet which is what we all did afterwards. And that was so much fun. Lucky. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was so. I mean, you know, I, and, and I emailed, I emailed um, Jim Chadwick and Hank Canals and and Austin Trunick and Scott Peterson today, and was just thanking them because, you know, what I was telling them is basically it's one thing when the it's already a cool thing when the artists and the writers will come and 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 interact with you, but when guys like them who are the editors, you know, and Hank who's the v, the VP. I mean, when they come and interact with the fans, I mean, that's a big deal, you know, uh, especially with these guys' schedule. I mean, Hank was always on the move, always on the run. You know, he would stop and talk when he could, and he was same with the other guys. So, you know, for them to stop and give their time to the fans, I mean, really do appreciate that. You know, the, hi- the highlight, you know, for, for me was, was them coming over and, and, and I introduced myself, and they're like, you know, and I told them, yeah, I do Wallstorm Addiction. I also do the Wallstorm Resource Week. And they're like, oh, we love the Wallstorm Resource Week. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? Like, yeah, every time we hire a new guy, like, we send him there, you know, do research and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's awesome, you know. And I definitely shared that with the, the founder, uh, James, you know, because, um, you know, it's not easy keeping that side up, you know. And, and uh, so so it's encouraging to hear, you know, you know you've done a lot of work on it too ben so obviously that thanks extends to you i'm sure james appreciates it he puts a lot of work into it yeah but yeah i mean it was just really cool hanging out with them and just kind of talking i mean and the cool thing is you know we're we're out, we're out and you figure ah they don't want to talk about comics they they started up the conversations they're talking about comics you know adam beachin is asking tom to, he's, he's like interviewing tom taylor is like well you know who's your favorite authority character and it's like who who's you know who's the one surprised you the most and and now that i said that y'all probably gonna say well what did he say, what did he say? <laughs> like oh, i gotta remember now uh, <laughs> i wasn't taking notes at the bar people i'm sorry <laughs> we we are gonna have tom taylor at some point on though he, he said he would like to do an interview so i, I uh, want to know now <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember don't drink an SDC, people. You forget. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing that wasn't revealed at the panel, uh, but I actually uh, talked to Derek Robertson afterwards, and he, he okayed this on his Twitter today. Um, him and Christos Gage are going to do a creator-owned project for Wildstorm. They said to be looking for that soon. So that should be that should be pretty interesting. But yeah, just all those guys, you know, got to got to meet uh, Fiona Staples got to got to meet uh, e- even Mark Bernadine and, and Adam Friedman were there. You know, you can see those pictures at our site too. Um, even though they're not currently working on the Authority. Oh, by the way, found out that Al Barrio Nuevo, his his wife had a baby. That's why he was off the Authority for a while. <laughs> and we we're like, okay, I guess that's the excuse. <laughs> and got to meet got to meet uh, Mike S. Miller and. Um, you know, told him how much we enjoyed his little stint on the authority while while Al was gone. You know, we hope we hope uh, we hope that they give him some more Wildstorm work because his art's incredible. Uh, he did a he did a sketch of Grifter, I think, for Chris Stryker, and uh, got to meet colorist Randy Mayer. And a lot of these guys was was interesting. I guess it just depends on how much interaction they have at the at the official boards. But they hadn't even seen our post yet about this podcast, so uh, gave them our cards and stuff, and hopefully they'll be checking it out now. Got to meet Carrie, colorist Carrie Strack, 
Strachan. I'm sorry, Carrie. I I didn't even ask you how to say your last name. <laughs> but uh, a lot of them, like her, she was actually uh, we were trying to get a line for something, and she came up and asked us if we needed help, and and I just saw her name badge, and I'm like, you're Carrie. <laughs> like I input your name into the resource wiki like every week. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, definitely um, go go to our site, check out the check out the pictures from the panel, check out and just from the con in general. A lot of cool stuff. That's really cool, man. I, I'm glad you got to go, and it it sounds like it was an awesome experience. Yeah, it really was. I mean, like I said, the the staff, the Wallstorm staff is is incredible. I mean, they're they're so they were so friendly. I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything else more than what they gave. I mean. They were just awesome. So, and you know, like I said, meeting Chris Stryker and Titanothrope from the boards, who asked for his name to be withheld to protect the innocent or the guilty, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> uh, both those guys were awesome to hang out with. And, and I'm sure, and and I'm sure, obviously, those of you listening noticed that there was no announcement for new creative teams in January. Everybody was tight-lipped about that, so. We're just going to have to see if they announce anything at New York Comic Con in October, which is conveniently placed the same month that the solicits for January come out. <laughs> so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, all I know is that uh, you know, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of stuff still going on right now. So if you're not reading, get out there and start reading. <laughs> start catching up. All right, folks, we're going to move on to the reviews now. And uh, got to put a little disclaimer up. Ben is not feeling too good, but he is determined to make it through these reviews. So, um, so all of you need to applaud him right now for being a trooper because <laughs> he wants he wants to get this out for you guys. Sorry, guys. I know you want to hear my nasally voice. <laughs> so, I know you just listened to me for God knows how many how how many minutes, but about a half uh, hour. No big deal. <laughs> So, uh, for those of you who are tired of listening to me, just pause it for a little while and then come back and listen to me later, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm going to go over our next review. And those of you who love to listen to me, well, Merry Christmas. Here I am again. <laughs> All right. Uh, the good thing is we've only got two issues to review, so we'll get through this pretty quick. First up, we got Welcome to Tranquility, One Foot in the Grave, number one. This is uh, written by Gail Simone and art by Horatio Dominguez. And the cover is by co-creator of the series, Neo Gouge. And there's also a variant cover by Ethan Van Skyver. And for those of you who haven't been around Wildstorm for a while, Welcome to Tranquility was part of the Worldstorm uh, launch of books in 2006. It is, uh, like I said, it's co-created by Gail Simone and Neo Gouge. Because of the way that Worldstorm kind of retroactively added some stuff to the Wildstorm history. Welcome to Tranquility is one of the one of the best examples of this. It's basic Tranquility is a town, it's a retirement town for superheroes. It's uh, pretty much an entirely new cast of characters, but there are some ties to existing Wildstorm characters. The most significant being um, there's a character in Tranquility named Maximum Man who is kind of akin to Shazam. He kind of has a secret word that he says that you know turns him into a Superman-like character. But the thing with him is, is that when he's not 
super, he's an old man because his regular self still ages normally. So that's kind of the that's an example of the little quirkiness of some of the characters in this series. But he has a history where he was with Majestic and the High, and they formed a team called the Big Three, which used to, you know, protect the world in the early 20th century. That was something that it, that it was only introduced after Tranquility started. So, but uh, it was a cool addition. And like I said, the original series ran 12 issues, two arcs, each of the each of them six issues long. And uh, there was a Welcome to Tranquility Armageddon one shot, which was part of the Wallstorm Armageddon. Uh, crossover, which basically just showed us what happens to tranquility and why why it's not really active in World's End. But this series is a direct sequel to the original. It basically picks up right after the events of, of or a few months or something like that after the events of, of number 12 of the original series. Basically, like I said, it's a retirement town and it's run just like a regular town, but each each uh, some of the heroes actually have positions in the town. For example, you have Mayor um, Alex Fury, and he was a big part of the first arc in the first series because you know, he had been accused of a crime, and uh, you know the other heroes worked out to find out that it was him, and, and basically you know they thought he killed a hero called Mr. Articulate and that's what kicked off that original arc and you know the hero stopped him and he went to jail and this series pretty much picks up with him in jail and one of the one of the things that Simone uh, was really good in the original series about is like I said it's it's got a lot of quirky humor in it and she does this even even to catch us up on what's been going on um, first page of the series is a uh, mock-up of a of a magazine that's um, talking about the mayor and you know basically the whole scandal what happened in the first series, and then it goes on to have a little a little cartoon character named Lifer who's a little skull uh, skeleton that's in, in jail, you know, and he basically tell re- recaps the entire first series and the whole incident with the mayor and how he was accused of of killing a reporter and and as far as I remember I think he I think he did do it there's still there's still some question uh, it's been a while since I read the first series uh, I meant to go back and read it before this one came out but just never got a chance to but obviously he's now coming out of jail and he's ready to get his life back on track uh, He's married to um, the hero called Pink Bunny, who um, she actually runs the local diner called Chicken Go. You know, she she eagerly is waiting her her husband's return, despite the fact that she knows that he did commit the crime. Which actually, that reminds me, he that he did. And uh, the reporter who accused him apparently in the middle of his release comes up and makes a big scene about asking for his forgiveness and he basically blows her off and says I can't talk right now and so right away you know the the events of this series like I said are starting directly from from the other from from the old series and that's the thing about this book is that um, if you're reading it for the first time if you never read the original series I think you might be a little bit lost 
but not very, not by much. Um, you would just get the sense that something has happened in the past. But I think the characters fill you in enough by the end to where you get what's going on. They even have a little flashback to the original trial, which is stuff that happened off-panel that we had that we hadn't even seen in the old series. So, um, so basically, Pink Bunny is getting ready for her husband's return, and some of the other some of the young uh, kids that work with her are from the um, uh, teenage group called the Liberty Snots. More of Gail Simone's humor. I love the name she comes up with. And one of them is uh, Mangaside, which I think is great. A great name for a character. The other one is Ajita, who apparently is pregnant. I don't remember what the story is behind that. And then we move on to Maximum Man, who I was talking about earlier. and He's, he's playing chess with his old nemesis, Henry Haight. They're talking about, you know, this whole, they're having a whole welcome back party for the mayor and how some people, you know, are not going to show because they think the mayor is a monster. And and then um, the Coyote Kid shows up and he's the new, um, like, spirit of judgment and death. I don't remember the official title, but that was an arc that finished up in the, the second uh, set of issues in the original Tranquility. So, again, if you're reading this for the first time, you, you you can tell that there's a lot that you've missed. But the focus this time, like I said, is mainly on the mayor. You know, towards the end, uh, Sheriff Lindo and her partner are taking the mayor, escorting him to the party, and, you know, these are two of the characters that really don't don't believe that the mayor is is fully redeemed. You know, they, they would rather see him behind bars forever. And suddenly a shadowy figure attacks the car and uh, actually pulls out the mare and leaves Sheriff Lindo and her partner to seemingly die. I mean, obviously, I put my bets on that they're not dead, but but we end with their, with their cop car exploding. And then we cut to the big party, which is supposed to be welcoming back the mare, and we see a lot of the familiar faces from the first series, like um, Zombie Zeke and... Um, uh, Maximum Man is here as well, and uh, I think Im- Emoticon, I think, was uh, one of the characters. I see him in the background. So a lot of little nods to the <clears throat> to the first series. And we end with a very interesting cliffhanger, because the once-thought-dead Mr. Articulate returns and shows up to the party. And that's the cliffhanger as Pink Bunny faints into Maximum Man's arms. So basically, Simone has given us has given us another nice little mystery here, which again centers on the character of Mr. Articulate. Because in the first series, it centered around the mystery of who killed him, and this time it's going to center around the mystery of why is he alive. Like I said, if you're reading this for the first time, you're definitely going to know that there's a, a a big chunk of story that you missed. But since I think the one thing that saves this is that you are focusing on the mayor and he he's a character that you know he was the focus because he was he was kind of like the bad guy in the first in the first one but not as much as here we'll see what the um what the subtitle of this miniseries one foot in the grave ultimately ends up meaning because uh obviously you got one character that seems like they've come back from the dead so i ended up giving this issue an 8 because I I thought it was really good. I mean, as a as a fan of the original, 
it was definitely a, a good a good start to a sequel. Uh, it's great to see these characters working again because they're 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 such a great bunch of characters and and I'm so glad it's Simone who came back and decided to pick up her her little world here again. And by the way, this does not have anything to do with World's End. This happens before, so you don't have to be knowing anything about that storyline to follow what's happening here. Um, the only thing for me that, that was kind of weak about the issue, uh, Horatio Dominguez, I like his art, but sometimes, I don't know, it just it just gets a little bit too cartoony for my taste, especially like the explosion of the, of the police car at the end. It was just, I don't know, that's just one example of, of how I just thought the art was okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how, how it goes later with his art. But other than that, I mean, oh, I, the writing was solid. You know, Gail Simone always delivers with dialogue. And uh, those of you, when you read it, will love the interaction the that the Pink Bunny has with Ajita and Mangaside as they're talking. There's a lot of innuendos and hidden meanings as they're talking, which is hilarious. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually going to try to spit out some thoughts on this. Uh, bear with me, everybody. Um, yeah, I I also thought this was a great introductory um, issue. Uh, I did reread the first series um, only just a few weeks ago before starting this one because I knew it was coming up. So I, I just wanted to familiarize myself with it. Y- you could step into this new series without having read the first one, but man, you'd lose out on so much fun stuff that Simone puts into it. I mean, each character and and the way that she fleshed them out in the first series and, and to see them, you know, in this first issue, it, it was just great. It was refreshing. I, I mean... I don't I don't know what you would how you would take this first issue had you never read the first series so I'm sure you can still find the trades out there I suggest that strongly please go out and get them or even just find the singles because it is well worth the read uh, you were talking really quick about Ajita working for the pink bunny in the in the chicken go and she is pregnant she's probably further along than this story is. I, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there because I think this is only a couple months after the last one, but she looks like she's around six or seven months pregnant, but either here nor there, it doesn't really matter. But she found out that she was pregnant in the first series because she's actually the girlfriend of the leader of the Liberty Snots, which is Sweet Sally, which is a guy, I know. But he likes himself to be called Sweet Sally, and he's, you know, he, he's kind of a, a Marilyn Manson kind of looking kid. Uh, he's definitely emo. All of the Liberty, <laughs> all of the Liberty Snots are kind of emo. They were like a, a a children's band whenever they first started, and then you know, in the first series, we we see them as this you know dark group, but you know she she showed flashbacks in the first series of them being a, a kid's uh, band, basically. So, yeah, Ajita is having um, Sweet Sally's baby, so that's where that came from. Other than that, yeah, I, this issue really gets you back into this fun, quirky world 
that is inside the Wildstorm universe. And I'm really happy that we're back in this world. And, and I, I can't wait to see where we go from here. Uh, I gave this issue a 9. I really enjoyed the first series. And I'm so excited to see this new series come out. And the first issue was awesome. And I can't wait to read the next one. Well, can I make a little confession about not rereading this series? Because I so wanted to, because I wanted to do exactly what you said. <laughs> and I know all of you are out there screaming, bad reviewer, bad reviewer, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, since I helped uh, update the Wildstorm Resource Wiki, I kept telling myself, okay, when I reread them, I'm going to do the summaries for the wiki. But that was the thing. I could never find time to sit down and, and not only read them, but also update the wiki. So, and then by the time I knew it, issue one was coming out. So, <laughs> but yes, I'm being the bad reviewer tonight. I didn't, I didn't read like I, my history I was supposed to. So, but you know what? That's, I guess that's as close to reading it, you know, as a new reader, quote unquote, you know, because uh, that's little things like that I didn't remember, you know, and um, like I said, Lifer at the beginning, you know, giving his little summary did jog my memory a lot. Oh, and I do have to say, the reason why Ajita is so important is that she's a speedster and she technically saw Mr. Articulate get killed in that first series. So she is a very important character. Yeah. So this is, this is what I'm talking about. You know, you probably you probably should just go read the first series. Like like Ben said, the trades are out there. The the issues you can probably pick them up for a buck each. You know, so in most places. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our next review, which is Deviate Gods and Monsters number four, and is written by Brian Wood and art by Rebecca Isaacs and cover by Fiona Staples. I finally got to meet at SDCC. Yay. <laughs> Lucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she was cool. Okay, we're halfway through uh, Brian and Rebecca's little foyer into the Walsam universe. And I can tell you I was highly anticipating this issue because Threshold is one of my favorite characters in fact, if I had to pick a DVA character that I really liked, it would probably be him. Just because he is so crazy. <laughs> I mean, because I remember reading about him in the first Gen 13 miniseries. You know, and he was crazy then, and he's just as crazy now. And he is... Part of it is that he is so justified in it. You know, Wood has been giving us a great overview of each character in each issue so far. You know, we had Copycat, we had Bliss, we had uh, Powerhouse, and now we had Threshold. Like I said, I was really looking forward to this because I really like Threshold. And I like that we get to focus on each character, and I hope that for those of you who are reading this and have never read Deviate before, I hope that you're getting a good sense of each character. Because I think Brian Wood is doing a good job of really nailing each of the personalities it, it flashes back and shows us that um, Threshold gets captured by a tribe and you know it's being led back to their base and I mean to their camp 
Meanwhile, Copycat is is still recounting this story to somebody on the carrier. We're not sure who. We assume it's one of the authority members. And basically just talks about how, you know, Threshold, his thing has always been, you know, strike fear into your enemy so you can defeat them. But the thing is, is that with the DBA kids and even, even with Ivana, you know, who was leading them at the time, uh, back in the old series, you know, he, his anger basically just worked against him. You know, nobody listened to him because of that. Nobody, nobody did fear him. They just thought he was a jerk and that, you know, it was like, well, why should we listen to you? You're too hot-headed. You don't think things through. You just jumped the gun, you know. So he's always wanted to lead, but he's never had the real qualities to lead. And one thing that Brian Wood does in this issue is he takes Threshold on a little journey that kind of shows him how best to take charge as a powerful person, I guess you could say. Because um, if you know Threshold, part of part of uh, him being crazy is that his in the battles he's been in with certain people, he doesn't hold back. And if you know his infamous move, you know that by the end of the fight, somebody's either going to get their head exploded or something's going to explode and there's going to be blood. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like Threshold's MO. You know, we, we get some more great Rebecca Isaacs art as we see Threshold basically challenging this entire tribe to a fight. And they pick one of their warriors to take him one-on-one. And even though Threshold keeps, you know, uh, threatening to kill them all with his powers, he actually fights the guy with a. They fight with some bow staffs. And Threshold is is a is a good hand-to-hand combat fighter, uh, beyond just having his powers. So, so this is not unusual for him to want to challenge somebody like this. And basically, the warrior just beats. I mean, he beats Threshold, and of course, he pays for it by Threshold, not just exploding the guy's head, but the his entire chest. <laughs> but apparently, the uh, by using his powers, it hurts him, and he passes out. And next day, wakes up without his costume. I just realized that I didn't, I didn't realize that when I read through the first time. He wakes up in his underwear. <laughs> Covered in blood, with one of the warriors waiting for him, and invites him to breakfast, <laughs> which I thought was very interesting considering that he just killed one of their own. But he basically, you know, he refuses to eat breakfast, and so they basically tell him, "Well, then fight on an empty stomach." And so they start a new round of of fighting with their bow staffs, and again they beat him, but this time before he can use his powers, they knock him out. Afterwards, some of the women of the of the tribe come and help clean him up and take care of him afterwards. And then it kind of turns into this very spiritual, very last samurai uh, type of situation where he he is accepting what they're doing which is basically training him how to fight. 
and how to really become powerful and really become feared and respected through through your discipline. I mean, it's a very martial arts, you know, ancient kind of um, teaching, uh, this discipline about yourself. And he goes from learning about trying to make people fear him to fearful respect. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but you know, they, they they respect him because they fear him not. It's something that he's never had before, especially from the team, because they don't respect him at all. So, you know, we get some more great fighting and, you know, he beats one of their warriors but this time he doesn't kill him. You know, he stands victorious and, and they basically just you can tell that they're accepting him as one of them. You know, uh, copycat, like I said, is the one telling the story, and she talks about how, you know, basically Matthew became their their god of war. Whoever is interrogating her finds it interesting that she continues to to use the word god or gods as she's describing the kids. And she basically says, well, she says, you know, she's described sex, death, and war. The whole, you know, the whole power balance began to shift once again with Matthew. So that's part of the, like what I said, you know, that Brian Wood is ex- uh, exploring an aspect of each of these characters. And in this case, like she said, it's Matthew's war. He goes on to organize the warriors and actually lead them. And this is the this is the point in the issue where. My argument with the last issue with with Powerhouse is that I don't I, I didn't feel like enough happened to move the story along. Basically, like I said, is that Powerhouse said no, I'm not going to join you, and that was it. Nothing other than that really happened to that issue. This issue mirrors issue two a lot, which is ironic considering that's Bliss Bliss's issue, which is Threshold's sister. And this point in the story. Uh, we pan over to Freestyle who's helping the local her tribe build some aqueducts and you know things engineering feats to to help their way of life and all of a sudden Matthew arrives with his warriors and you know Matthew's got his powers back at full force and and he just they just destroy everything that that her and her tribe have built and you know his thing is that you know they that his argument is these people want to be led they want they want to have a god over them they don't want all your improvements that you're trying to make to them and classic this whole scene right here is threshold to a t i mean if you've never read threshold before if this is the first time of your exposure to this character this is threshold right here this is this is the epitome of this character I mean, all the scenes of the destruction of him using his powers to to take down everything. I mean, that to me was awesome to see. And the fact that he takes his warriors and attacks Freestyle is to me what moves the story along better. Because now now you want to see, okay, is Freestyle going to, is she going to reciprocate? I mean, she's not really an aggressive, you know, one. Is she going to run for help? to the others, you know, because they basically left her, her camp in ruins, you know, so to me, that's, that was the difference with this issue, it, this, this last, you know, it's just, it's just the last uh, 
you know, about four, four, five, six pages maybe. And it just, it was just awesome. I mean, to see Threshold in action again, it was exactly what I wanted from this issue. And, um, you know, now that I went back and read it, I mean, I, I originally gave it an 8, but I kind of feel like I should have given it a 9 because I really, I really just enjoyed it a lot. Just, like I said, mainly because I love this character. Take it away, Ben, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. Um, I also gave it an 8. It, it, it did reflect issue number 2 a whole lot. I feel like issue number 3 was kind of like flying in the wind because nothing did happen. You're right. But... It's really hard to give it an 8 because it's not giving us enough room for the 9s and 10s that I'm hoping to give this series whenever we get into issue 7 and 8. Because, I mean, you can see the buildup that Brian Wood is giving the series. I mean, people say he's an amazing writer, and there's a reason for it. I mean, how he has latched onto these characters and really brought so much to the table with them, it, it it's amazing. I'm so excited to just keep reading this every single month. And it's stuff like this that, that Wildstorm's doing that should be making people really excited to read these these books. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think that's the, the same reason I'm uh, held off, too, because I know that there's really cool stuff coming. I think, I, I think the attack by Threshold is just a taste of what's to come. I mean, we still haven't seen Bliss and her army in, in action. And I still would love to see that. Um, but we know from the solicits, you know, that we're, we've still got a couple more characters to cover before we, uh, before we get to the end. So, really excited to see where else this is going to go. Alright, we had some other Wildstorm releases for the week of July 21st. We had God of War number 3 of 6, Modern Warfare 2, Ghost number 6 of 6. So that finishes off that that mini series, and we have the soft cover World of Warcraft book number two. By the way, there's one thing I forgot to mention about STCC. I actually had the opportunity to record a podcast with Only the Valiant, who um, they are a podcast who was centering on on uh, Valiant Entertainment, which was starting up back again in '08. But now they're moving over to Dark Horse stuff because uh, they just recently acquired Solar, Man of the Atom, Turok, Son of Stone, and Magnus Robot Fighter, which were old um, gold key characters. So I got to meet those guys, got to hang out with them. So uh, actually on their podcast, uh, you can go over to onlythevaliant.com. It was not up as of today, but uh, probably by the time we post our podcast, they'll probably have theirs up. It should be episode 46, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so if you want to see um, our first crossover with another podcast, uh, this is actually it. <laughs> Those guys are a lot of fun. If you've, if you've uh, never listened to one of their podcasts, go pick one of their ones, especially the ones where they talk about the history of the Valiant Universe. Very informative if you've never, if you've never heard about that universe. So anyway, just wanted to throw that in there. You can contact us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I am at Grifter78. You can look us up, both up at the Wildstorm Resource Wiki. Either me or Ben is YoYoMaster146. And uh, that is WildstormResource.WetPaint.com. There is no www in that. Uh, 
You can also find the podcast on Twitter at WildstormAddict. And you can also email us at WildstormAddiction at gmail.com. Once again, thanks to all of you who are listening. And uh, if you are listening for the first time because of a uh, business card that I handed out at SDCC or, or you saw me wearing the Wallstorm podcast uh, t-shirt, send us an email and let us know because i really like to know how many people are giving us a chance based on that. So, But we do appreciate everyone who's been listening and um, we're going to continue to bring you as much Wildstorm-related stuff as we can. And um, thanks again to everybody who made CDCC awesome. We'll, we'll be talking to you guys later. 